welcome, welcome to all our listeners. Thank you for joining the Booksmitten crew for yet another episode. As we get to the end of our year, we are here, we are hopeful, we are happy, and we are ready for holidays. Uh, in today's episode, we are going to be diving into a very neat topic of what influenced or encouraged us when we were young to get into writing or what discouraged us when we were young, when it came to reading and writing. Um, and to kick things off, I've got Heather Shoemaker, Patrick Flores Scott, Jack Chang, and I am Kelly J. Baptist. Um, I think I've shared a little piece of my story before, but I had a wonderful support system um, in terms of reading and writing as I grew up. Something that stands out uh, in particular was being in middle school and given the opportunity to write poetry um, and even the Christmas play for my school. And that was something that I will never forget because it was very empowering. Um, I was given the space to write the play, to choose people to act in wow. the parts, to run rehearsals, and then to actually be a part of it myself. And we're talking sixth, seventh, eighth grade. And that's something that stuck with me because you don't see that too often. Young voices being celebrated or young gifts and talents in the field of writing being celebrated in that manner. So that always stands out as my example of how I was extremely supported and encouraged during a critical time um, and probably cemented my decision to always write, to always write. So I want to open it up to the crew. Good to see all of us here together. Um, what, what have been your experiences as you were young, whether you liked writing or didn't? Um, what were your experiences in terms of who encouraged you, discouraged you, and how you approach writing? Yeah, well, for me, I was slow to read, but my school teachers didn't mind that I couldn't read. They still considered me an author, just the way they considered all the kids in my first grade class, uh, the ones that could read and the ones who couldn't. So we were seen as storytellers first, and we were allowed to draw the pictures. And then if we could, we would dictate the words. And instead of having to write them out ourselves, we would copy what this what the teacher had written. So I was telling my stories verbally and through pictures. So I was seen as a storyteller first. And I think that's one thing that we have to encourage young kids is that they have a voice. They have things to share. They have stories to tell, even if they're illiterate. You know, even if they cannot read and write, they can still write books. My books were stapled together and they had wallpaper covers. And I was very proud of the books I'd written. I couldn't read them, but I knew I'd written them. And so that sort of belief in the kids that you'll get it at some point and get the kids like me who needed extra help reading would get that. But just belief that you can love books and you can write books even if you can't read and write. I love that. It's good. I think there's something about the act of, you know, like stapling it and putting a cover on it that, that really makes it more uh, real for, for, for you as a kid. Uh, one of my sort of vivid earliest memories is um, when I was in probably in second or third grade, uh, we were, you know, we, we wrote out and drew these, these little s short stories. And our teacher, um, you know, got one of those like, ring uh plastic ring binder things you know and had had the 
uh, our, our little books like bound with like plastic covers mm-hmm. and just being able to hold it in your hand and say, oh, you know, not only, yeah, like I came up with the story, but here it is. I can actually give it to other people to read was just published. so um, powerful. I, yeah, yep. I'm, I'm yeah. published, right? Um, and that, that was a book, that was something that I completely forgot about um, until like after I had already, you know, published my last book, See You in the Cosmos. And I, I found that first book um, in my parents' basement, mm-hmm. uh, looking through through the, their basement. And yeah, it, it never occurred to me that, you know, I had even like published something at that age, but but I had. Um, and so I can I can sort of trace back some of the seeds of what I'm doing now to like those early days when, you know, we had these these published books in elementary school. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I love that. That triggered something for me, Jack, the the whole finding something in a basement (laughs) or a box somewhere. Um, I remember vividly my mother taking myself and my sister to our little town's production of A Raisin in the Sun. First play I I had been to, of course, small production, but I remember even down to like the Skittles we had at intermission (laughs) and just seeing a kid on stage who was about my age and like, this is amazing coming back home and I'm going to write a play. And uh, I found that a few years ago in my garage, like stapled together the yellow paper with lines. (laughs) And it was really just a copycat of a raisin Uh in the sun, but the power of inspiration and exposure, you know, everyone gets that feeling when you're, when you experience your thing, you're like, this is amazing. I want to do this. And so I still, I keep it in my writing space now, just as a reminder, um, this is where you started. Now, where are you going to go? How far are you yeah. going to go with it? So, And that's fantastic. You said, well, it's a model, uh, almost mimicking a raising yes, the sun. For but, sure. you know, what a wonderful model to follow. <laughs> and and also, it's okay. I think that's one thing that we forget is that kids, it's it's totally fine to mimic yes. your favorite stories. Yeah. Because you can't find your own voice until you, you figure out what you admire about other people's voices. So, Absolutely. yeah, go ahead and sort of do that copycat stuff as a kid. There's nothing wrong with that. I think that in, impulse um, to to mimic the things you love is like something that you know is very natural mm-hmm. in kids, and it's uh, it's not until you know we're told no by someone that we realize that oh, this is not something that you know maybe other people that people do as adults as often. Um, but but I think yeah, a lot of you know a lot of that encouragement is. Uh, just even not getting in the way of the uh, our, our children's natural impulses to to create and you know tell stories. I love I love that idea of mimicking. I had I was just going to say that I had heard of an adult writer who um, had never had a lesson in writing at all, and who literally copied. I, I can't remember who it was, but they literally copied their favorite book word for word. They just sat down and mm-hmm. typed it. And the, something about the process of doing that was a deeper way of reading, I think, um, and understanding how this author put sentences together and put paragraphs and chapters together. And um, and I've seen a lot of poetry teachers use, you know, model stories story, or poems as models for the kids writing poetry. And I just think there, there's really no better way to learn than than that. Yeah, it's it's weird the way that we don't. Uh, encourage that kind of mimicking and writing 
maybe the same way that we encourage it in music, like, yeah. uh, in drawing, right? Mm-hmm. Or music, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, especially music because mm-hmm. you're you're just like you're you're playing, you know, these classics from yeah. the get go yeah. almost. Um, and like you know, in drawing, you're like you're you're uh, copying like paintings and drawings you're you're copying you know cartoon characters right you have instructional volumes of how to draw cartoon characters and uh with with writing it's something that we don't really see as often that's a good point sports too i mean it's a lot of things yeah where you're taught yeah "Yeah, i want to be like this person who was great or um so why not writing why Uh not I think people, the adults get that word plagiarism in their head and they can't shake it. But I think it's fantastic. Whenever I read aloud a book to my child, I start to see that style of that author's voice enter into his next writing Oh, wow. That's so neat. Yeah. And I think, oh, wow, you're really incorporating setting now. And Mm -hmm. we say, yeah, that's because the books we read always talked about the setting of the the story. Mm -hmm. So, or he'll, he'll add in dialogue elements I hadn't seen before. So it's, I I love it. I don't think of it as, as bad mimicking. I think of it as, yeah, these are your teacher texts and go for it. And if you fall in love with a play or a story. So yeah. How were you encouraged, Patrick? You know, it's interesting. I don't know if I was encouraged or discouraged. It seemed like we did so little fiction writing in my school, but I do remember they had a young authors competition and my little sister won. Um, (gasps) There have been a couple moments of like writing jealousy throughout my life that have really fueled me. And I think I I always thought about someday I'm going to write someday. I I didn't know how to get started or I didn't know how to do it. And I didn't know why she won and my little story (laughs) didn't win. And I, I was happy for her, but also jealous. I mean, this is like we were in second and third grade. Right. Um, But still it it stuck with me um, that I didn't win. And she won. (laughs) Yeah, Because you cared about it. I mean, obviously that was really important. If it had been a contest you hadn't cared about, it wouldn't have uh, lingered in your memory. I think I cared about it kind of retroactively. (laughs) She won and it was writing. I think my, my writing teachers, um, there were two daily newspapers, uh, in Seattle that, that, we got one and my grandma got one and we visited my grandmother almost every day. She lived really close by. So I got to read these two uh, sports columnists in Seattle, Steve Rudman and Steve Kelly uh, battled it out. Mm. And they just were really kind of passionate about sports, but kind of like they got that the whole thing was all just a way to have fun writing. Um, One of them even had, for each sport, he sort of had a, a a fictional character that he, like, four or five or six times a year, he would write about, like, this old gym rat. I think that's that was the character's name, Jim Rat, <laughs> like, going to the gym. And he would, like, sort of tell some story of Seattle sports via this old rundown character that played sports in the gym. And um, so they talked about the Sonics and the Seahawks and the Mariners and the Huskies, all my teams. And, and, um, and again, I didn't write, I didn't try to copy them, but there was just this part of me that it was like, someday I want to do what they're doing. And, um, mm-hmm. I, and, uh, it, it just always stuck with me and they don't know that they were my teachers or that they encouraged me, but just reading them all the time was really encouraging. And I don't think I really got, encouraged and discouraged until until high school was when it kind of happened for me we 
had an English teacher who um, taught us how to write essays. And I got a lot, a lot of encouragement in there. But we had one fiction short story um, writing. We were supposed to write a short story and embed a secret code. And the idea of the story was that we're in prison somehow and we're going to write this story. <laughs> and in the, in the, um, in the story is a code that someone's going to decode to get us out of prison. And I was like, oh, that's really interesting. I'm going to do something totally different. And I wrote, I just was like, I want to write this story about somebody crossing the the border from Mexico into the U.S. and um, being caught and sent back home. And it was like a mom coming to get health care for her, for her child. Um, and they're sent back home and the secret code was, give me your tired, you're poor. (laughs) Um, and, uh, and the teacher like basically said, I didn't follow the assignment. (laughs) He did this thing where he had these, um, second readers that were like grad students from the university of washington read and give us a second grade which i thought was really interesting oh wow and um and the teach and the the so the second so i felt discouraged by my teacher but the second reader this grad student from the university of washington would just like i love this this is great you have a way with words And, and and i was like oh wow i can write i can write so um so it's weird to remember that you know uh, 30-something years later. And the importance of second opinions. That's yeah, it. <laughs> yeah. And that's important to this day. Like, um, when you get feedback from friends on stuff that you write, like, some people are going to like it. Some people are going to say something that you disagree with. And and, um, and then you're going to get great reviews and bad reviews um, with every book. And, and that sort of, uh, I guess that was the beginning of me kind of starting to understand that. Um, Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, so there's a little bit of my childhood (laughs) story. (laughs) Very cool. Very cool. So I'm curious, Patrick, does your sister still write? No. See? (laughs) That was probably the last of her really making a big effort to write um, when she was really little. And then I kind of used her success to spur me on, like <laughs> fuel your own yeah. years later. Yep. Yeah, yeah, it's weird. Yeah, well, one cool. thing I I find is that kids, um, you know, when they're finding their way of how to write a book, none of us come with an instruction manual of how to write a novel or how to go about this. And when we're kids and we love books and we want to create our own. Uh, at least I floundered around. I, I By the time I was in fourth grade, I was writing books that were so strange and so complicated. <laughs> I, I created characters with names that were unpronounceable. Um, and the plots were equally, um, you couldn't understand what the heck I was talking about. And what I loved about my teachers um, and people who read my books were that they just said, wow, you've got really interesting ideas. Keep writing. Because they couldn't make head or tail of my stories. (laughs) I mean, I I can't when I reread them now. But there was obviously a desire to write these books. There was a desire to write something complicated because I was impressed by the books I read, how complex they were, and I was trying to mimic that. Um, So I, I know a teacher who says, I don't have the kids write short stories or write fiction because, to be honest, kids aren't very good Uh. at it. And so I don't have them do it. And mm-hmm. I thought, oh, you know, kids aren't very good at doing math at first either, but mm-hmm. we keep practicing. They're oh, not for good sure. at tying their shoes, but we keep practicing. Yep. So I was given um, wonderful opportunities. We wrote 
fiction um, every day in elementary, and we wrote fiction every day. We were given a picture prompt in freshman English in high school where we would just start the day by writing fiction. Wow. And mm-hmm. so there was lots of opportunity to write. And yeah, you do get better with practice. Mm-hmm. So it's just because kids aren't good at it to start or whatever age you are starting doesn't mean you shouldn't keep doing it. It's a means of practice. Keep trying. Try something new. Keep reading. See what happens. That's it. I love that. I, I got the opportunity as a teacher to be trained in a writer's workshop um, from the te- uh, Columbia Teacher College. And um, they, they basically just say, find what's good and, and point at it and tell... <laughs> tell and share that with the class like look at what somebody did this is amazing and and that person gets pumped up and wants to do more of that and the other students see it and they want to do more of that and you share and you find it in a mentor text in another book and it's like look look what this person is doing and along the way there's all the mess is part is coming along with it too and the students don't get discouraged from the messy part they just get encouraged um when they do things that work really well and and there's something in every kid's piece of writing that's amazing or interesting and like uh for you heather was that that effort to tackle those complex ideas and and you had people encouraging you in that way and it's just there's no reason to really work on anything else other than just encouraging the practice it feels like for young for young writers and, and that whole that whole cycle of uh, you know finding something that you love and trying to like understand what makes it so interesting to you right and and then trying to bring bring it to your bring it into your own writing that's sort of this continual yeah, process yeah. that you know I'm sure all of us here even as adults you know that's something that we're doing as we're reading and you know we if we come across a great book we're asking like what makes that so great and we come up with all these theories and sometimes they're they they're not you know our theories are, are bunk other times you know they might uh like point to something that another author is doing um that we could like incorporate or learn from at least um and bring into our own work um so so it's really not i i think like yeah like that process of finding something you love and you know trying to like mimic it in ways is just that's like what it is to be a writer right um i i know i know for me i did not realize that you could uh make a living as an author um yeah because that was a career path that was i was never exposed to um, because, you know, all my, like my parents, my friends' parents, they were doctors, engineers. Um, we never had an author come and visit our school. Um, and something that I, I'm always like, that's always in the back of my mind as I'm doing school visits is, is just how remarkable it is for students to be exposed to someone who writes books for a living, yeah. you know, because it really, I think like, if I were in their shoes, you know, thinking back, I think it would have really opened my my world to the possibilities of of like yeah of be, being a writer, you know, um, as as something I did for for a living. Um, I might not have taken the kind of roundabout path mm-hmm. to writing that, that I personally did. <laughs> yeah, um, but then you would have written different books, perhaps. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's the thing too, right? Um, 
Yeah, I agree, yeah. Jack. I mean, when I was in elementary school, there was a girl two years older than I was named Holly, and her mother was an author. And her mother came in, and it wasn't I, – I guess I knew that authors were real people, but until Holly's mom walked into the classroom – and we had read her book aloud as a class, and then Holly's mom came in and talked about the book. And she was she was not just an adult that we could look at and touch. She was actually Holly's mother, and this made a huge <laughs> yeah. impression. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, so that she's a fa- physical flesh and blood person. I think that's it's a part of our mission to make sure that kids know that that exists. I feel like that's a big part of you know, what I say to them, do you, do you want to illustrate? That is a viable career option. Here's my illustrator. You know, I've, I've had him do a school visit at, at my building. Aww. And if you're a writer, that's viable because oftentimes you might pair it with something else. Well, I'll do this on the side because you can't really make a living. And then my career is going to be this. That's kind of the route I took. And it was like, well, man, if someone had told me and kind of groomed that earlier, um, who knows? It, it might have been a different experience. And so I'm very intentional about telling kids, if that's what you want to do, put as much practice into that as the sports kids do in the gym or, yeah. the, you know, the music kids are, are practicing their instruments all the time. Kids who love to bake, you know, you're always in the kitchen. So why not? There should be writing camps, just like these elite sports camps. Like that's my dream to have an elite writing academy or a, a writing camp where it's intense but it's building you up while you're still young so that if that's where you want to focus, your whole focus can be on that instead of, oh, when I have two minutes at the end of the day or yeah. for my other job, that's where I'm currently living. So that's why I'm so yeah. passionate about it. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I love the fact you're going to bring on some students um, that there's outside validation chances, whether it's yes. contests like Patrick was talking about or compilations, um, even if it's the wallpaper cover with staples, but even better, a published book where the outside world can see what these young voices are saying, because um, I, for one, really want to hear what they have to say. So I think it's wonderful when we do that outside validation of writers. For sure, for sure. I'm excited too, Kelly. Yes, we are in for a special treat because you will have heard us discuss our encouragement and and what kind of led us to writing. And we're going to hear from our primary audience of of who we write for, which is students and young people. They will be here to share their take on being published authors um, and their journey to that. So coming up next. Welcome back to our Booksmitten podcast. Joining me right now are very special um, young writers. Uh, They are students who are very close to my heart and they are published authors as well. So I'm going to go ahead and let them introduce themselves to you. Hello, my name is Joseph Love and I'm in the 10th grade. Hi, I'm Kamari Johnson and I'm also in the 10th. Hi, my name is Arvi Waters, and I am in the eighth grade. All right. So these achieved a major thing already in their lives, and that is to be published authors. They are published in our side of the river, the real deal. And this is a compilation book that Benton Harbor Area Schools students contributed to our middle school and our high school. And both of these guys were in middle school when they um, contributed their pieces to this book. So I'm going to read an excerpt 
um, from We Always Come Back. That's what I love about Benton Harbor, the people, the love, and the support. I love that I can always come back. This was written by Kamari A. Johnson, um, a piece from his work that is in our side of the river. Kamari A., what inspired this writing and what does it mean to you? It's titled, We Can Always Come Back or We Always Come Back. What does that mean to you? Okay, what the story means to me is that, like, no matter where I go in the world, that I always have a home to come back to. Um, even though the harbor, we, ha- we have our up and down with the harbors and all the things that go on, I can always come back and I, I can always call it my home because that's where I'm from. I love it. I love it. All right. I'm going to read from Lost and Found as well. It's a city in the Southwest filled with black and brown. So many treasures it holds, like a lost and found. Powerful words written by Joseph Love, um, whose poem is entitled Lost and Found and is included in this compilation book. Joseph, what inspired you to write um, this poem and what does it mean to you? Um, what inspired me to write the poem is be, is um, I wanted to do something for my city because they was they was writing a book and they told me about it and I said, well, this would be something nice that I can um, contribute to my city. And so what it means to me is that our city, we have we was we have gotten a little lost, but we will be found one day and we will have the hope that we'll be a better city than we is now. And we have so many treasures. If, and my pastor used to always tell us that we don't know how much power we hold between in ourselves. And if we just let that power show, then we'll be some powerful people. And so that's what I got out of the poem. I love that. And that is true. And, and that's my belief, too. It's going to be guys like you guys um, who really help the city to find itself uh, because of the power that you hold in yourself. So you guys... Um, I remember when this this project was brought to us um, and we were kind of in the midst of the shutdown for COVID. Can you share a little bit about the process of how this idea came about, how it came to you, what you thought about writing something for this book? And I'm going to start with Kamarie. Okay, well, yes, this a great year. And like, Things is going like, like one day. I don't even know honestly. How can I say this? Because like we was in school, then the next day we just mm-hmm. wasn't, and like, and like it was difficult, and I didn't know what to write about, and like, like you know, because like I kept giving y'all these, I I kept giving y'all so many drafts because I didn't know what I wanted to write about. I was just so confused. So it was you and Struthers that helped me out and like helped me get to where I'm at now but like I honestly don't know and I really can't say because like it was a struggle honestly because this COVID stuff was so scary Mm -hmm. and like it was just so new so like I had and I felt like at that time maybe I should write about me and my family or something like that just write about the struggles and stuff that we go through in life and because of COVID right we we hear where we at now. So, yeah. Yeah. 
And I, I thought it was a very interesting time how this happened because we went out um, and it was Zoom calls and it was sending things back and forth because we no longer had the face to face with you guys um, at that point. Did you consider yourself a writer, Kamarie, before this project came across? Is that something that you already loved or wanted to do? No, <laughs> no, <laughs> because he, because y'all I'm here. We 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 made them. <laughs> We made them participate. Um, but since you have now, and you don't have to desire to be a writer now, but did that change anything? Um, being able to say now I have uh, a piece of work that is published, does that change your your thoughts on writing or, or wanting to write? Yes, it do. Like, it, I feel like I can pursue my own, like, line or something like that to write books or whatever. I feel like I can keep writing books. Yeah, I can. I feel like I could. Okay. Because I understand. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that too. So Joseph, um, I want to ask you the the same thing. What was the process like for you being told? Well, probably, yeah, being forced. You're gonna you're gonna write a piece for this. We are virtual. You don't have the the opportunity to come down to any of our offices and kind of work face to face. What was that process like for you? Well, it was really difficult because when y'all first told me, I I told my mama. And she said, well, is you going to do it? I said, I'm not doing that because I don't know nothing about writing. I'm not no writer. I don't know what I'm doing. And then she said, well, you just go ahead and try. You Something, come, something good will come out of you do it. And so I said, OK. And then y'all helped me get the poem together because first I was going to write a story and I didn't know which one I was going to do. And then you said, what's the first thing to come to your mind about Ben Harbor? And that's what really yeah. inspired the poem. Yeah. Yeah. The poem going. And it is um, a beautiful poem, very powerful, very, very um, meaningful uh, and relevant still. So that is awesome. Uh, let's see. Is there a person, um, group of people, a teacher um, that you can go to that you know will continue to inspire your work um, and give you confidence to keep writing? Is that something that you want to do? Is, is writing something that you want to continue to do? And I will pose that to, to Kamarie. What, what are your thoughts moving forward? Um, as a career, I don't feel like, I don't think I will be writing more books or stuff like that. But like, I feel like you and Struthers encouraged me. And like, I feel like I can do it if like, you know, I don't know. Cause like, I might change my mind in the future. Cause you know, when we first did this book, I came to you and stressed about doing something else. Yeah. And like, so yeah, I I could, but I just won't probably. Kamari, yeah, we supposed to write a book together, sir. So. <laughs> we do. We- that is supposed to be in the plan. So I am going to read an excerpt from Nine is Just Fine. Hey, my name is Aubrey, and there are nine people in my family. We all live under one roof, and I love them to the moon and back. I do not regret having such a huge family. And this is a piece from Aubrey Waters, who is also included in the book. So Aubrey... I want to ask you what inspired you to write your piece of this story and what does it mean to you? It change, changes mm-hmm. your life. Um, and 
I wanted to write about my family because they're the main thing, main part of my life. I love it. And it's such a wonderful story that kind of gets us right into what it is like to be in a big family. And you kind of gave us um, an inside view of what that's like. And I love that. So I want to ask you as well, what was the process like for you to work on this story and to have it ready in time uh, for the project? We know it was the pandemic um, and we were working virtually. What was that writing process like for you? It was actually very, like, it was easy because we got a big basement, so you can go down there whenever you want to. So it was easy. I feel like it was easy. So you had the the space to be able to write and no one was really bothering you too much? Yeah, we got a couch down there, so it's like... Yeah, we. I could go downstairs. That's where I write sometimes. Awesome, awesome, awesome. I write. I write in the closet, so it's like wherever you can get that <laughs> that area. Um, that is the place where you need to go. All right. And so, Aubrey, who are some of your favorite authors or some of your favorite stories? I really like your book, um, the Isaiah Dunn, my superhero, and I like Dr. Seuss. Uh, I like Dr. Seuss and Isaiah Dunn. And I did not pay her to say that. Thank you, Aubrey. <laughs> and I think you're on a path to continuing to write, correct? Is that something that you want to continue doing as you get older? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome, awesome. It's, um, I guess it's supposed to be a part two of Our Side of the River. So I was going to be I did that hear too. that. I did hear that. And um, that book, if our listeners don't know, is based on the other side of the river. It's really a tale of two cities, Benton Harbor and St. Joseph. Um, and so the the author decided it's time to hear from some Benton Harbor voices. What do our students feel uh, about this separation or this divide? And it kind of merged into what was happening with the pandemic. And we had a lot of students um, really be able to express their thoughts through writing. So um, in closing, I want to thank each of you. I've got Joseph Love, Kamari A. Johnson, and Aubrey Waters. Thank you for taking your time to share your thoughts about writing. Are, do you guys have any last um, ideas or thoughts for our listening audience that you want to share about what it's like to be a young writer. I know you guys have to be extremely proud of yourself that you are published um, at such a young age, and I hope it's the only the beginning, but do you have any closing thoughts, anything else you want to share with our listeners who uh, are probably mainly adults, uh, but we might have some young listeners as well. Anything you want to share? No, I'm good. cool well again um i thank you guys for joining us i hope you as our listeners were able to enjoy this time hearing from our target audience as kid lit authors Uh, that's some young writers encourage the young writers in your life whether it's your student Uh, someone who comes to the library where you work or your own child because this is where it starts Um, they can do amazing things from here because they're already published so I'm super proud of them thank you all for your time and we will see you on the bookshelf